The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Welcome to Browborn to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding. Today, I have with me Dr. Lawrence Kotlow. Dr. Kotlow, welcome. Thank you, Marie, for inviting me. I've been looking forward to this for quite a few weeks. Oh, yes, me too. Yes. Well, for those of you who don't know, it's Dr. Lawrence A. Kotlow, DDS, PC. He is a board-certified specialist in pediatric dentistry and an expert in tethered oral tissues, or otherwise known as TOTS, T-O-T-S, which includes both tongue tie and lip tie. After attending the Albany College of Pharmacy and the Sunny Buffalo School of Dentistry, he completed a two-year residence in pediatric dentistry at Children's Hospital of Cincinnati. And he's been a practicing pediatric dentist in Albany, New York, since 1974. Dr. Kotlow is one of only 18 dentists who is recognized by the Academy of Laser Dentistry to certify other dentists in standard proficiency to use lasers. Dr. Kotlow is the author of SOS for TOTS, and that book is, of course, available online, or it can be also found at his website, kidsteeth.com. But lucky for you, you get to hear from him directly, and he's going to get an eye-opening view for us about TOTS and its role in breastfeeding, infant distress, and reflux. So stay tuned. We're going to ask Dr. Kotlow all of the hard questions that parents have been asking me for a long time. So Dr. Kotlow, I'd like to study to start out with asking you a little bit about how common this is. Now, I did some scouting out before I asked you on the show. I could find a statistic, and I couldn't find good statistics, but they were talking about, say, 3% of newborns being born with a tongue tie, and that didn't sound quite, that kind of didn't square with my clinical experience, I guess is what I'm saying. What do you think? Well, I think to start off with, you have to understand most of the studies that you read the people who examined the infants did it all the wrong way. They took a look in the mother's lap where the baby's hands are flapping all over the place. The doctor <laughs> looks in the mouth, says, open your mouth, says, ah, everything is fine. Yeah. What they neglect to do is two things. They don't listen to the mother. They don't listen to the symptoms. So to start off, you have to listen. And the first part of any medical exam or dental exam is listening to the patient Absolutely. and what their problems are. 
So when they list all these different symptoms, that's a clue. That's a hint that there's something wrong with that baby's latch. And unless you have a baby who's got some kind of medical condition, the only reason that I have found that babies have a poor latch is the tongue and lip and maybe even the cheek uh, attachments, the frenums, are so tight that the baby can't get a good latch. The second thing is, in order for you to see that baby, you need to have that baby's head in the examiner's lap, not the mother's lap, with the baby and the examiner's head facing forward. That way, two things occur. Number one, it's a knee-to-knee position. I have the mother hold the baby's hands and feet so the baby is perfectly still. I can then just tilt the head back a little bit in my lap. I get to see the entire mouth, not just under the tongue. I can examine the lips, the cheeks, the upper and lower attachments, the tongue, as well as even checking out the hard and soft palate to make sure there's no submucous clefts or cleft palate, which may have been missed. The mother also has the opportunity to see everything I'm looking at. So when I'm done doing the exam, which only takes about a minute or two, they understand everything that I've seen. And when you place that with the symptoms, you realize probably, I think, around 40% of these babies, maybe even a little higher, have some kind of attachment which is interfering with the mother and baby bonding through a good latch. Typically, how old is the baby when they come to you, Dr. Callow? Well, I tell everybody my granddaughter was in my office in 24 hours and 15 minutes. Um, Typically, there are are three different ways patients get to me. One is we should have what you call a breastfeeding team. They see a lactation consultant outside the hospital where she can uh, examine the baby and have freedom to make a recommendation that they see me. Uh, A large majority of them get to me through friends and relatives or their additional kids in the family. Others have seen me in the past. Or uh, maybe it's not the best way in the world, but a lot of people get to me through the Internet from mothers who have had similar problems and seen myself or other dentists throughout the country or the states here, and they have had the same symptoms, and once the procedure was done, their symptoms cleared up. What are the kinds of symptoms that you think are especially associated with a tongue tie or a lip tie? Well, when you start to look at babies and mothers, you have to understand this is a a dyad. It's a mother and a baby. I think we talked a little bit earlier. I thought the dyad was a tongue and a lip tie uh, (laughs) when I first started. But the symptoms that you're going to see, first of all, it's a poor latch. So what is the baby doing? They're clicking and they're sucking a lot of air into their belly and they're up all night crying. And we'll talk about it later, I know, but that's air-induced reflux. Secondly, the baby may not be thriving because all they're doing is grabbing onto the mother's nipple, and that is causing the mother intense pain, uh, mastitis possibly. Uh, the baby has a lot of short nursing episodes because the baby is exhausted and not getting any nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mother's nipples can be compressed. And one thing which, again, I, I find because I asked the questions, a lot of these mothers come in with postpartum depression. And they don't need drug therapy. What they need, some of them may, but a large majority that I see haven't been able to bond towards their mother. And in the book I wrote, the opening statement says, you know, mothers are being prepared, especially with the firstborn, to have a wonderful experience. They can't wait to get this baby in their hands. And, you know, 10 minutes after that baby is born, as the baby crawls up and grabs onto the mother's breast, uh, and starts to nurse, all of a sudden her toes curl and she's in agony and she's in shock because this is not the wonderful experience she was thought she was going to have. And then she gets involved with her friends and her relatives and even the medical profession. 
and they tell her, you know, just tough it out, you're a new mother, you're overreacting, when in reality, with a poor latch, there's a cascade of events, which you've just talked about, which can be easily remedied if that baby's latch is improved through the use of a surgical procedure uh, in conjunction with their lactation person and maybe a body worker. You mentioned about what th- that when the baby is in the mother's lap, that the mother is able to see what you see. Tell me what kinds of things that you see or that you're looking for when you do the exam. Well, the first thing I do is I, many times I'll watch the baby nurse and I'll, sure. I'll hear the clicking. Yep. Okay, then when I do the oral exam, first thing I start is I watch the baby. I just watch the baby for a few minutes. I might massage their cheeks, just take my finger and kind of roll it over their lips. And when you start to look at the lips, if they come in calloused, uh, they used to call them nipple blisters or nursing blisters. But you know what? A lot of that is like when you work in the garden, you get calluses on your hand. These babies sure. are slipping and sliding off the breast, and they're developing calluses. Then you just, first thing I do then is I pull the upper lip up, and I look for the attachment of the lip to the alveolar ridge, which is the upper jaw. Now, every baby has a attachment to that upper lip. So every mother who sees the baby has a lip tie doesn't mean it has to be corrected only if they're having nursing problems. Then you take your fingers and in the, we call a buccal mucosa, into the cheek. Rub your fingers around the cheek. And if you have a real tight attachment, you'll feel it that the cheeks can't come out. Then you take your finger and run it under the tongue. And this is a real simple thing. You just go from molar to molar area under the tongue and drag your finger across. If you can't get across under the tongue without some sort of an interference, there's a good chance that that tongue is tethered. And then I also run my finger down the roof of the mouth to check for any imperfections there. I know that this is a much longer discussion, but for one of the things that I see is that when the baby can't get their their, uh, tongue out over the lower alveolar ridge, which is the part of the baby where if the baby had teeth, that's the, that, the part that I'm talking about, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it seems to me like when the baby can't get their tongue out over the lower alveolar ridge, then people sort of say, oh, yes, well, the baby must uh, have a tongue tie. But they kind of miss those that are the posterior tongue ties. Can you address the posterior uh, as maybe a little bit harder to recognize? Well, two things. Every tongue tie is a posterior tongue tie. Every okay. single one of them, 100%. And when you go to the doctor and he takes a pair of scissors and clips the anterior quote tie, he leaves a posterior tie. Think of a football game, American football, where you kick the ball from one end zone into the other and the guy grabs the ball and runs to the 50-yard line. It's okay. a great run back, but it doesn't score any points. It's the same thing with this tongue tie. <laughs> when you have a tongue tie, whether it's in the front of the mouth, right to the tip of the tongue, or the back of the tongue at the base, if you have all the symptoms and you're tied, you have to release it completely back, and you can't do that in most cases with a scalpel or scissors without getting some sort of bleeding. And a lot of these guys, the ENTs especially, want to put these kids in the OR, and it's absolutely unnecessary to do that. So the posterior tie is the one that they miss most likely, and that's why the numbers are so low, because mm. if the mother just uh, you just have the mother elevate the tongue while the baby's in her lap, it doesn't pop out. Uh, right. I have on my website a video which shows you a baby, it looks like there's nothing wrong. And if you take your two index fingers and place them on either side of where the frenum should be and press down, all of a sudden this huge frenum pops right up. Yes. And these yes. are the ones that are always missed. 
And I should tell our listeners that I have been to Dr. Kotlow's uh, website within the last few days, but also within the last several years. And there's some really cool stuff on there, some really good videos, good photos, really quite informative, well done, clear, crisp. Uh, I can't say enough for that. Dr. Kotlow, in the minute or so that or that we have before we go to the break, and on the other side of the break, we're going to talk much more about the actual uh, treatment for the baby's tongue tie. But in the meanwhile, can you tell us how many years have you been treating babies with tongue tie, and how many thousand babies would you say you've seen? Gosh, I, I started treating tongue ties in general when I first started my practice because I couldn't get anybody to do them. Wow. Babies specifically, probably the last... 15 to 17 years uh-huh. uh, since I started using lasers because I wasn't having any post-surgical problems with the lasers where other techniques sometimes you would, you would have some babies uh, having more problems of bleeding or having to suture which I wouldn't want to do in the babies because the, the tissue is so thin it doesn't hold sure. uh, so I would say I've probably done over 10,000 babies and wow. got a lot of phrenectomies I'm I'm thinking too that with the um the I always think of you as the laser guy, but it sounds like you also used to do something other than laser. Am I reading that right? Well, before lasers only became available for the dental people in about nineteen, let's say ninety six, and they really weren't the greatest. Around two thousand is when we really started using them. Prior to that, I used some electrosurgery, um, and that's really a, a burn. And I found that. I had to be real careful with that because um, some of these babies, because it was a burn, would be a lot more sore and they would dehydrate and they would have to have IV put in and then it would get more complicated and I didn't want to run into the, the medical community with this. So we were very cautious and also back in the 70s and 80s, only 22% of the United States women were breastfeeding. So you, no, you, only, sure. you didn't have that significant number that we have today where 90% of women, which is almost almost 4 million Four and a half million babies are nursing. How wonderful that you are helping so many people. Hey, listen, everybody, don't go away. I am here with Dr. Kotlow. We will be right back after this short break. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I'm here today with pediatric dentist and expert in TOTS, Dr. Kotlow. Dr. Kotlow, before we uh, broke, we went to the break, we were talking about the kinds of things that you would see and the kinds of things that the mother would experience. A lot of times what happens is the mother has very conflicted information about the baby does or doesn't have this. And I also, I will tell you that just a while ago, I saw a baby that the mother complained bitterly. Of, uh, well, no, she didn't complain bitterly. She, she told me how much uh, that she was sure that the baby had a tongue tie, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I took a look at the baby. I didn't think the baby looked tongue tied. I asked her what her doctor said. He said, well, the baby wasn't tongue tied. And I asked to see her breasts, and lo and behold, she had a really terrible case of yeast. I did not think that the baby was all that bad off. But how do you help parents to realize that not everything that they read on the Internet means that their kid has it? And how do you know that they really need to seek help from you or from somebody else? Well, you know, Marie, the Internet is a wonderful place to be when you get the right information. Unfortunately, there's no science per se to the Internet, and anybody can write anything they want. Um, And they can talk about anything they want. And people sometimes would always prefer not to have their baby have a surgical procedure. And if they can find people who say it's not necessary, they tend to gravitate towards doing nothing rather than doing something Mm, until it becomes an acute problem. Uh, there are so many things that I'm doing, and when the mother goes back to the medical doctor, you know, medicine today is stuck in this area of evidence-based. Everything has to be evidence-based. However, these same doctors who are stuck on evidence-based will tell patients that, you know, breastfeeding is not affected by a tongue tie, that the upper lip has nothing to do with tongue ties. And they'll give them all of these things. I mean, I've had patients tell me the doctor said he wouldn't do it because it'll give the kid tetanus. Uh, I had a pediatrician who was the head of a a local medical insurance company. Uh, When I called him to say, listen, I really would like to address this with the pediatricians because I think they're missing something. He said, you know, I've been a pediatrician for 45 years and I've never seen a tongue tie effect breastfeeding. At that point, I said, thank you very much for your time. So, you know, you've got to look at what I always say is moms know best. They know when something's wrong, especially if they've already had a baby. And I if agree. they think something's wrong, the parents have to fight for it. And that's why I wrote the book, because if they get the book and they read it, it'll give you all signs and symptoms. If you go to my website, there's plenty of articles which will identify what you've got. And you just have to be firm as a parent and say, look, I know something's wrong. And you don't need to spend $10,000 and have uh, sleep studies and GI studies and, and all this kind of stuff when the first thing is, the most common thing is the most common, and that is the tongue tie and the lip tie. You talk about uh, the fact that these kids don't breastfeed well, and I believe you are correct on that, but it's not just a matter of breastfeeding. If they get the tongue tie or the lip tie fixed, 
what kinds of benefits could the baby uh, likely experience? It's interesting you ask because attached to every baby with a tongue tie, half the time there's a parent with a similar tongue tie who never had it treated. Mm-hmm. And when they say, well, my tongue tied, and I say, yeah. So the, the wife of that says, okay, it's your fault. And then I say, well, <laughs> let me ask you a question. Do you have headaches? Yes. Do you have TNJ, TMJ problems? Yes. Do you snore a lot? Yes. Do you have a speech problem? I did. Um, do you get a lot of decay in your mouth? Yeah. Did you have orthodontic treatment because your, your teeth were pushed backwards? Yeah. Um, also, Keep in mind, from your toes to the tip of your head, your entire body is wrapped in something called fascia. Yes. Uh, you know, think of a chicken wing when you go to cook uh, a wing uh, or a chicken breast, and you pull the skin off, all that fiber in there that holds the skin to the, the meat, mm-hmm. your whole body is wrapped into that. So Good when analogy. Your tongue, when your tongue is tied and you spend all day trying to force your tongue forward, not only are you trying to take that muscle and move it forward, but you're putting stress on your entire body. And that's where, I mean, there was a study done in uh, Italy where they showed kids that had severe tongue ties had scoliosis because they spent all their time arching their back and neck in odd positions to bring their tongue forward so that they could breathe. And now they're even looking at adults with sleep apnea. Maybe it's that the tongue is stuck in the back of their mouth. And it's not coming forward. So there are a lot of things down the line which can be related to the tongue, which is, in my way, when I lecture now, I talk the tongue as an organ system. You know, think of the other major muscle of your body that's part of an organ system, your heart. No one thinks of the heart as a muscle isolated by itself. It affects the circulatory system, which it affects your brain development. And all this can be also thought about with your tongue, because if your tongue is really tight and the baby is not getting good oxygen, they're getting a reduced oxygen flow to the brain at a point in time when their brain is growing more rapidly than other, any other time in their life. So these are things you look at, and so it's not just breastfeeding. When you depend upon the severity of the tie, there can be other things down the line, which if we were to release the tongue early, may not have to be corrected. And I would always rather have preventive medicine than corrective medicine. Absolutely. And you didn't mention speech, but I assume, we, we, we used to hear a lot about that when I was a young nurse. Uh, I don't think we, we hear as much about th- that anymore because somehow that got, I don't know, debunked or something. But well, it seems to, it the, seems the to me that, that... is that you can get 12 speech pathologists to give you 12 different reasons on that. Uh, uh, I had gone over okay. to Australia and worked with a woman named Carmen Fernando who wrote a book, Tongue Ties from Confusion to Clarity. And I got licensed for 24 hours over there, and I did about 10 kids in front of uh, a group of dentists using lasers, all of which had posterior ties and all had had speech problems, and all uh-huh. of which got corrected over a period of six weeks after it was released with proper tongue exercises, myofunctional therapy, and things like that. So, um, you know, you, you get... I had one ENT said that he can say every letter and every word in the English language with his tongue stuck behind his front two teeth. Well, that may be so, but uh, I equate a tongue tie to tying a rubber band around your waist and one on your arm and then attaching them both with another rubber band and giving you a five-pound weight to lift. Uh, and you're going to get tired pretty quickly, but if I cut that sure. rubber band in between your arm and your waist, suddenly you have great new freedom. And that's the same with the tongue. Uh, once you release it, I, I can't 
I don't have enough time to tell you on some of the teenagers and, and young adults, which I've had done in the past. I don't do adults anymore, um, but I've done where they had all these symptoms and problems and headaches, which disappeared almost immediately after we did it. Nice. So that's got to be part of a differential diagnosis when patients have, have all these headaches and problems. I want to talk to you about lasers because there are so many parents who think that laser surgery would not be safe. Is that a myth? And if so, can you bunk, debunk that for us? Well, I'll give you another example. Back in the year okay. 2000, I was invited to the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry to, list, to talk on high-tech dentistry. Um, and at the time, the only question I had was, would I use a laser? And I said, oh, God, no, I couldn't. The kid wouldn't sit still. <laughs> I didn't know anything about lasers. I spent the next two days working with lasers, learning about them, and now everything I do in my practice is lasers. We don't use any local anesthesia, and probably 95% of the primary teeth that we fill because a laser has an analgesic effect, which blocks pain. Uh, what we can do... 100% of our surgery with lasers, and rarely do we need to use sutures. Um, if I had a choice of using a laser or a high-speed handpiece, uh-huh. if the patient were to move a little bit with a high-speed, you can get cut pretty badly. If they move with a laser, nothing happens because you've got to be holding it on a spot. Um, I've never seen an injury in my practice using a laser from a laser. Uh, they don't burn. They don't cause explosions. Uh, I know they sometimes are used by surgeons in the operating room, uh, and when they do use them, in the, if it's done in the mouth, they do have to protect the mouth from the gases that may be used for general anesthesia. But in the dental office, it is probably the safest thing I have to work because it doesn't explode. It doesn't cause gases to explode in my office. It doesn't burn anybody. And quite honestly, if you've ever had a feeling, you know, the numbness you've got, Yes. Well, when I work on kids, one of the biggest problems we used to have is when they went out afterwards, they bite their lip or bite their tongue. Yes. Now, not only do they not bite their lip or their tongue, they can go right back to school. They go out to lunch. Parents have less days off of work because instead of doing two fillings at a time, we can do four or six fillings because we don't have to numb the patient, and it doesn't hurt. With the babies, as long as you've been properly trained, and that means you haven't just listened to a lecture, but you've had good hands-on training, understand laser safety and understand laser physics, and have good experience, it is the safest, quickest, easiest thing that we can use in a dental practice to treat our patients, and they are much happier. My own granddaughter had something called a mucosil in her lower lip. It's like uh-huh. a salivary duct that gets blocked. Uh, she doesn't live locally, but she lives in New York City, and her, or, her orthodontist referred her back to have it removed, and I had told her, come up, but we're not going out to dinner, you're going to have this, you're going to have that. Well, she sat down in the chair, we used the laser with a little topical, got rid of the mucosil, an hour later, she went out for pizza. That night, she went out for dinner with us, uh, never scarred, never had a problem, never had any pain, and we did it all without numbing her. And um, that's pretty typical of what we do with lasers. And I just want to remind everybody that a few minutes ago, I asked Dr. Kotlow how many tongue ties he had done, and he said more than 10,000. And now he's telling us that he has used laser for many of those, and I presume most of those, as well as for other procedures as well. That is Quite a testimony. Uh, Dr. Kotlow, thank you so much. When we come back on the other side of the break, I'd like to talk to you about the additional care that is required after a baby's tongue actually 
uh, has had this treatment. So everybody, do not go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Dr. Lawrence Cotlow, where we are going to bust the myths and clarify the facts about tongue-tie. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Dr. Lawrence Cotlow, who is a pediatric dentist and expert in laser therapy. He is also the author of a book, which is SOS for TOTS. And he's going to talk to us more about using laser surgery uh, for TOTS which is uh, a bigger term, really, for tongue tie as well as lip tie. So, Dr. Cotlow, one of the things that I'd like to ask you about is that, I don't know, six or eight months or ago, I did quite a lot of reading, looked at some what I thought were very high-level evidence studies, talking about evidence-based medicine, and about half of them said, no, 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 it doesn't make any difference to uh do the tongue revision. Others of them said, yes, yes, yes. It's absolutely the best thing. You've got to do this for your child. And so I felt that it was very mixed and I couldn't necessarily explain why there were such uh, diverse opinions. So one of the things that occurred to me as I was reading your website 
Do you think that it might have anything to do with whether or not children get what you call additional care or follow-up care after the revision? Uh, What is this follow-up care? What is it? How do you do it? Does it matter? Tell us about that. Well, as I said earlier, if it was a cleft palate, you'd have a whole team of doctors, physicians, dentists, people working in different specialties. In, In the breastfeeding area, you don't. So what happens is some patients will get what they can get based upon what their insurance will pay, not what really the baby should have. So in most cases, we can get the surgery through the dental or the medical insurance for many of these patients. So there's no out-of-pocket expense or minimal. Um, When it comes down to the breastfeeding team, uh, under the in an ideal world, uh, the, the lactation consultant in the hospital would uh, sit down with the mother and they do an exam on the baby in the hospital. And by uh, checking for the attachments, they would tell the mother, well, you know, I, I think, you know, you might need to have these areas checked and maybe revised. Uh, then they would refer them out to the appropriate person, someone who can do it in their office without putting the child in the OR, who could make a good diagnosis. Um, they don't have to say you are tongue-tied, but they can say you have symptoms which would indicate that you're possibly tongue-tied and you need to see someone, uh, a specialist. Like a nurse can't diagnose diabetes, but if you have all the signs and symptoms, she can say, you know, sure. your symptoms are indicative of possibly having diabetes. Maybe you should go see your doctor and have yourself checked out. Good um, right, and no one's going to fight you for that. Right. But in the hospital... If they were to do that, they get in a lot of trouble, sometimes even fired. But again, back to the ideal world, they send the, di- the patient out, the baby gets the areas treated, and then the dentist is, should refer the patient back to the lactation consultant um, because really our treatment stops at the breast. We don't really you know, take our hands and place the breast in the baby's mouth and manipulate all that stuff. So that's really where the lactation person comes in and she can work with the baby. In addition, many times these babies have a traumatic birth. They may have a mm. torticollis, which is their neck is in one yeah. position or their body's not in the right position. Yeah. And seeing a body worker, such as an infant chiropractor or a cranial psychotherapist, benefits the baby and loosens them up a little bit and makes the surgery a little easier. And then afterwards, seeing the same individuals. Um, that's in an ideal world. Uh, many Let me parents be quick don't, to add that. Excuse me, to add for our uh, listeners, we did a show on torticollis where we did talk to the chiropractor, so thanks for bringing that up. But anyway, back to the follow-up care for the baby. Okay, now, if you have a cut on your hand, you put a Band-Aid on it, and we get what's known as primary closure. The the wound heals, you get a little scar, and then it disappears. Under the tongue and under the lip, we don't want the tissue to reform. So what happens is if the parents do not properly do we call active wound management, keep the tongue and the floor of the mouth separate, and the lip and the gum separate, the tissue is going to want to reheal. If they don't do it correctly, it will. Now, there are some people saying doing it six times a day, some 12 times, some every three hours. I find that with the patients I see locally, if they do it morning, afternoon, and evening, three times a day correctly for two weeks, the chances of it healing back together are about 10 to 15%, and those are because they're not 
doing it correctly. They, they have to get their fingers in the cut. They push down on the floor of the mouth and peel the tongue away from the floor of the mouth and the upper lip. They pull the lip up firmly to see the entire cut. Um, I, and I think the failures are basically uh, those babies who would benefit from follow-up care from their lactation person or the body worker are not seeing them. In many cases, the post-surgical procedures, because there's so many differences of opinion, they don't do it correctly. And, and then they worry about what we call oral aversion. And oh yes. What I what I have what I have my patients do, my parents do, is just take your fingers and kind of massage the cheeks and the, and the gums, and place your finger in the roof of the mouth so the baby learns to suck, and then pull out because that's all benign. Don't do anything that's going to hurt the baby. At a separate time, you know, even if it's two minutes later, go back and elevate the tongue and the lips so that you're getting your fingers in the baby's mouth many times and it's comfortable it's soothing it's not a pain it's not a discomfort and then you're doing the other times and uh where that may be a little bit uncomfortable for a few days but if they do it correctly uh, the ones that I see coming back to my office they don't necessarily get that attachment uh, and sometimes okay. the surgery is not complete it's it's only partial especially with scissors you spoke earlier about reflux and that some of these kids, what happens is that they're not suckling correctly uh, and then they do end up with a lot of air in their stomach and they uh, very often are diagnosed with reflux. And then, of course, they end up with the antacids. Can you address this? Well, the, when your baby latches onto your breast, if you hear a lot of clicking and air into the belly, uh, and when afterwards you place your hand on the baby's belly and it's hard as a rock, yep. this is not acid reflux. This is air-induced reflux. Uh, what's happening is like chugging a bottle of diet soda that, or soda that's full of carbon, carbonation, and you fill your belly up with air and you either belch it out or whatever way you get it out, you get it out. The right. babies are having the same problem. These are babies who can't sleep lying down. The parents have to walk the halls all night. They sleep in their right. car carrier. And this yes. is all because their latch is so poor that all they do is suck in air. Now, when they go to their physician, the physician says, oh, you have reflux. And they put them on adult reflux medication, which just shuts down the hydrochloric acid in the baby's stomach, which interferes with normal bacterial gut formation and can have long-term consequences with GI problems later on down the line. They're treating these babies for an adult problem. Now, there are a percentage of babies who have true reflux. There are some diseases that may cause it. But a normal, healthy baby that I see in general uh, who's been put on you know, $90 a day formula or the mother's been put on a dairy diet, if, if they come in and they're severely tongue-tied or moderately tongue-tied and we release it 24 to 40 hours later, no more problems. And, again, I'd rather do this in a small, quick procedure in the dental office than put that baby through endoscopies and all mm -hmm. battery of tests these kids come back with and then get told, well, we can find nothing wrong with your baby. So, again, it's air-induced reflux. The medications are put on don't do anything. And all they do is really harm the baby as far as I'm concerned. Another thing that I think parents really struggle with is why should they go to a pediatric dentist? Why shouldn't they go to the uh, ears, nose, and throat specialist? You really want me to answer that question? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my answer is this. Okay, and I don't want to get in trouble here, but ENT stands for ear, nose, and throat. Right. Um, I'm a dentist, and I take care of the O, which is the oral cavity. Mm -hmm. uh, my knowledge and treatment is, is, I think, superior. I think I have more experience. 
Um, I've been treating the babies for a long time. I think that, you know, we're comfortable treating the newborns and the infants in the office, those of us who do it. We're, the medical community is used to putting everybody in the operating room or taking a pair of scissors and cutting it uh, halfway. Um, they don't do the exam properly. They don't put the baby in their lap. They do it in their mother's lap, and that's why they miss it. Um, I would say at least a quarter of what I redo are babies who have been done by people who only, quote-unquote, clip the front of the tongue, um, or they miss it altogether. I mean, I, I really... That's a, that's a whole different conversation because sure. they are told so many different inaccuracies from the lip doesn't have anything to do with the tongue tie, with the uh, breastfeeding, that the tongue tie doesn't have any problems, um, and that, you know, just learn to bear it. Actually, kind of funny you ask it because what I tell these parents when they're told there's nothing wrong is next time you go back to your doctor, bring a uh, clothespin clip and tell him when you're having a conversation that it doesn't really hurt you to put it on his nipple and see how long he can stand it. Well, uh, I think that for me where you really spoke to that was Ears, nose, throat, E-N-T, and nowhere in there do we see tongue. And I would also like to remind people that as long as we're throwing around the alphabet soup here, remember that D-D-S is Doctor of Dental Surgery. So it seems to me to make some sense that, in fact, uh, the dentist really does have some, uh, some very specialized abilities in the oral cavity here that really need to be recognized. Uh, <laughs> This Keep in mind so that it. some dentists have what call a DMD, which oh, is right. Doctor of Dental Medicine, which is the same thing. It's just same. they yeah. they they wanted to make it more medically. So probably twenty or thirty years ago, some of the schools started giving DMDs instead of DDS degrees. But it's the same thing. We do same. we all do the same. Got it. All right. And I have seen that too. Hey, everybody, do not go away. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And when we come back, I will be talking more with pediatric dentist. Dr. Kotlow, and we will be talking a little bit about what's in his book and be wrapping things up. Do not go away. You can't miss this. I'm Marie Biancuso. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. 
To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where we're talking today about tongue tie and related tethered oral tissues with Dr. Larry Kotlow. Dr. Kotlow, tell us a little bit, because you have said that there are so many benefits to having the, the tongue re- revised. Can you speak a little bit about the risks? You know, I, I don't really know any risks that I've seen in the years I've been doing it when done okay. properly. Um, when, when I have parents sign a consent form and they go, we go over the risks, um, you know, my answer is if done correctly with the right instruments, you might have a tongue that bleeds a little bit, but we can correct, we can fix that. Uh, you might have some post-operative pain that extends for more than a few hours into a day or two. Um, but the the fact of the matter is, the worst case scenario, it may not work, um, and that's going to be maybe five percent of the time. But that is only because maybe the the post surgical things we talked about haven't been done. I really can't really say there are any risks when done properly uh, by a skilled person who's had training and understands laser safety, laser physics, and is used to working on newborns and not afraid of them. And this is where I want to remind everybody that Dr. Kotlow actually trains other dentists to use laser surgery. So I think that he kind of knows what he's doing here. In your book, do you give some very specific tips? For example, when you finish doing the laser treatment, how soon can the baby uh, go go to breast and breastfeed? From whatever it takes me to get from my surgery to the mother's breast. (laughs) The baby is immediately put on the breast. Okay. So mother should not have any fears. No, I've never seen a baby um, reject the breast completely, um, depending on this, the degree of surgery. Some babies will latch on almost immediately without any problems, and some babies, you know, take as much as a week or two. Uh, I had one woman who came in, and she, the baby was a mess. She hadn't, it wouldn't latch at all, and it took me two weeks to get the baby on the breast. Um, but once she was, she'd nurse for two and a half years. Nice. Um, so that in most cases where babies have been nursing, they can nurse immediately. Uh, okay. Some mothers come in and they have a nipple shield on. And again, some of these babies, uh, we start, on the nipple, start the baby on the nipple shield, and within a few minutes, they're off and onto the breast. Some babies take a week to get off the nipple shield. Uh, it really depends how long the baby has been off the breast, if they haven't, or what kind of struggles, whether they're using an SNS device, whether they're using a nipple shield. So the answer is, in most cases, they go directly onto the breast. Sometimes they'll do wonderful here and go, we'll get home in 24 hours, we'll be on strike a little bit, and the babies have to be either spoon or dropper fed for a day, um, but that's just so they don't dehydrate, but I wouldn't call that a complication, i call it a normal possibility. Well, in any um, event, but eventually they're all back where they belong. 
in any event, you're not the one who is standing in the way. You are encouraging the babies to get right to breast, and there may be some adaptation, and for some babies a little more than others, and I would agree, but certainly uh, it's not as though there's any prolonged period of at least uh, trying. So you spoke to this a little bit earlier, but give us just kind of the, uh, the recap of why did you write your book? Well, you know, I've always been encouraged to write a book on pediatric dentistry, but I figured there were so many out there I didn't really want to waste my time. But there are so many myths and so many mis- so much misinformation that parents are given by healthcare professionals, by friends, relatives, that um, I actually sat down one weekend and locked myself in a room, and in three days I pumped out 20 chapters. Um, and it covered basically what I lecture on, which is about a f- five-hour lecture, which covers everything from A to Z that I feel is minimally necessary for the parents to get good, adequate care by way of lasers and diagnosis and treatment. And uh, I put that all together in a book, had someone edit it, and brought it to the editors, and basically from start to finish, it took me three months. Uh, and, but it answers all these questions which parents constantly come in and say, why didn't this person recognize it? Why didn't that? Why didn't someone tell me to go see you or someone else? Why did they do it this way instead of that way? All the questions parents have have been totally and completely answered um, by my philosophy and my way of doing things. Uh, the, the responses I've gotten from the book, it's excellent. It's well-written. It's easy to read. Um, people have found a few typos, which doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you know, In any book. You, you read what you see. You read what you want to read sometimes, not what you see. Yes. Um, but the response has been, you know, it, it's, it's not meant to be a randomized control study book and scientific and deep, deep thought. It's meant to be basically these are the problems that you can have, and this is why you can have them. And this is why you need to have it treated. This is how you can get it treated. This is the best way to get it treated. And these are the people you should see. And then there's about four or five pages of references if people want to pursue it further. Excellent. And I know that that book is available on your website. Tell us your website. And I I, I will tell people that you are in the greater Albany area, but I know that you've also treated children way beyond your, your area. But tell us where your website is and how we can find you. Okay, the website is easy. It's Kids Teeth. Just make sure you type in K-I-D-D-S-T-E-E-T-H. That's Kids Teeth with two Ds at AOL.com. If you go right to the front page, it'll show you the book. Just tap on the book, and it'll send you directly to the people who are publishing it. Um, I made the price relatively inexpensive because I wanted people to be able to buy it uh, at twelve ninety-five, not you know thirty bucks. So that people could afford to buy the book, okay. uh, you can get it on Amazon too. If you want to type in SOS for Tots on Amazon, but if you go to my website, you'll probably get it faster because Amazon has to order it through my distributor right now. And also, we will be featuring Dr. Kotlow's book on my website, which is borntobebreastfed.com. We have there an Amazon affiliate, and so you can get the book in any one of those ways. I just want to make sure that everybody understands how they can follow up and uh, 
get the book and get access to Dr. Kotlow. Dr. Kotlow, this has been enormously, enormously enlightening, I'm sure, for many parents. There's so many myths flying around out there. I think that you've really helped to clarify the facts and to set us straight. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you to Dr. Lawrence A. Kotlow. It's been a pleasure, and I appreciate And any time you want me back. I'm always available. <laughs> we will keep that in mind because we know where to find you for sure. <laughs> and I am not shy about asking. Thank you so much. But that's all the time that we have today. I'd like to thank Larry Kotlow for being with us today, and I would like to thank all of you for listening to Born to be Breastfed, and I'd like to invite you all to come back next week. Now, if you're interested in Dr. Kotlow's book or other books that have been mentioned on this show or even previous shows, it's on our website at borntobebreastfed.com. We also have a Facebook page. Please make sure that you take a look at that where we will keep you up to date on a lot of happenings and like us while you're there. If you have questions, please send those questions to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. I don't necessarily answer them. If I can, I will. If not, I will pass them on to our guests. If you are a professional and you are looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. My course and tons of resources and my blog and much more are all at my professional website. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, that's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.